Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Launching Mackie and Judd. We get things rolling with the opening bell. Want to ring the bell? A high blast to center field. Going back is Hicks. Go ahead. Ball is gone. A grand slam. Only one swing in the hole at bat. And it's a grand slam. Like I said, there's plenty left in the tank right there. That was that's fun to watch. But he's had a handful of moments like that here. Walk-off hits and grand slams. And just to see the smile on his face. Gives us hope that he'll come back. All right. That was um, Dick and Roy and actually Morneau last night. Fox Sports North as the Twins beat the Yankees. By the way, it's uh, Zolgat and Manny here for Hour 1. Mackie, as he did yesterday, will join in Hour 2. Uh, but let's go back to what we just heard, which is I really hope, Manny Hill, I really hope in my heart of hearts that the whole Joe Maurer thing, now last night, he hits a grand slam, and by the way, that grand slam ended what was a one for twenty-three stretch. And by the way, those mm. the four runs that he drove in with that grand slam last night were the first runs he has driven in in all of the month of September. I really hope wow. that this does not turn into a. There's a lot left there, and we hope Joe comes back. Here's the deal with Joe, and I think I'm very fair with Joe. I think I've been very fair because I think there is a case to be made that he is a Hall of Fame catcher, and when the ballots go out, eventually the voting press is going to look at the totality of his career from outside this state in which people are very passionate about Joe, both good and bad, and say this guy won three batting titles as a catcher and that Joe Maurer very well could be a Hall of Fame player. All of that being said, though, the man is 35. Mm-hmm. He is a very good first baseman, but he has turned into a very, very streaky player who is near the end of his career. There are a lot of things to be concerned about and to focus on about the Twins this month and the direction of this franchise and even the direction of a front office, which a few months ago I really believed in, and now I have some doubts in. But, uh, Dick, I don't need to hear about Joe. I don't need to hear, I hope he comes back. Joe is going to decide what Joe wants to do. And... Personally, I think it would be really great if he took the Whalen path and then the coming days said, this is going to be it. Celebrate what's the end, as much as he can. Mm -hmm. Celebrate what's the end of of a heck of a career at one time. But now I'm 35 and I've had concussion problems and I've been a very up and down player now for a lengthy extended period of, of time. 
This should not in any way, shape, or form, though, turn into any plea for Joe Maurer to come back in 2019. It's the least of your problems. If he comes back, I can argue against it. I can argue for it. But to but to now paint this as uh, there's a lot left. No, there's not a lot left there. There's no. not a lot left there. Let me let me just quickly give you his averages throughout the month of this season. This was once the best hitter probably in all of baseball. In the combined month of March and April, 272. Or I'm sorry, 293. He's hitting 272 for the season. Mm-hmm. Combined in the month or in the month of May, 271. In June, after the concussion problems came back, if you recall, and he missed some uh, he missed a lengthy period of time, 224. July, he bounces back, 292. August, 273. But going into last night, or through last night, he was hitting in the month of September, 226. So, mm. so come on. Let's let's not make this into... I don't want to hear any pleas that Joe Maurer continues to play. Maurer's going to decide what he wants to do. And either way, I'm okay with that. And I'm a guy who's defended him, I think, a lot of late. But... This should not be the rallying cry of a season gone terribly awry. The rallying cry should not be, there's a lot left there. I hope he comes back in 2019. It's not going to help you if he does. Well, and I think, too, if you're Derek Falvey and Thad Levine and you're trying to build something here, you have to ask yourself, would bringing Joe Maurer, as he currently stands right now, which is about a 275 hitter who might hit 10 home runs for you, yeah. And drive in 60 mm-hmm. and play pretty solid first base for you. You have to ask yourself, is that going to move the needle next year? And the answer is definitely no. Right. Now, I think he could be potentially a platoon player. Mm-hmm. I think he could definitely, if your team is good enough, he could definitely be a guy who, if you don't start him on numerous days, you bring in as a defensive replacement because he's turned himself into a gold glove caliber first baseman. He's very good. With good for glove. him. Yep. But... This should not be, I mean, come on, how soft are we? This should not be the rallying cry of September of 2018. Yeah, there's a lot left there. And I mean, Smalley's going to join us tomorrow. I love him. But this is, there's a lot of things to focus on. And Joe Maurer, to me, you can look at it and you can say, okay, I get it. The, The poll ads are going to allow him to decide his career path, and perhaps they should. Perhaps that's the right thing. But among the things that you're going to talk about is, you know, and it's fine if you want to debate it, but this whole thing of, well, perhaps, I mean, Dick's comment there when when uh, Joe got done trotting around the bases after the Grand Slam, his comment there about, you know, hopefully he comes back. No, 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 no. This is not, let's, this is not the Wolves hoping that Carl Anthony Towns signs his max extension. No, no and It's not the same thing. No. No, and there not was not even close. And there was a time when Maurer signed the big contract. Maurer was a big, was a concern at that time. Like yeah, that, that needed to get done. As much as people now say, "Thank God the contract's done," and you know what, it didn't work out as planned, and he didn't stay at the uh, the position that you planned it. But if you go back to that time period, Joe Maurer was a concern. What Joe Maurer does now is interesting. It's of no concern, and he should not be begged to stick around. He should not be begged to stick around. And if he wants to come back, okay, yeah. come back at the right price, then okay, you figure you figure that out. You platoon platoon he, him maybe with you know Tyler Austin. And or even then, like I that. can argue both sides very easily sure. because he's going to have to get his role. I mean, it, it, this is going to change, so he's going to have to understand his role and what you want from him. 
Uh, but I just don't want, on, on the cable package that I pay a lot for, I don't want the last weeks of the season being anyone begging him to come back or he should come back. No, he should decide what he's going to do, and that's fine, but it moves the needle zero. If you want if you want to talk about things, if you're out of things to talk about, and God bless you, you might be because this team stinks, then get back to Sano and Buxton. Hammer it. I don't care. That's no. interesting to me. That well, and that's you know get back. But if you want, if you want to actually talk future, about something, do that. In terms of your future, the conversation needs to be about Sano and Buxton. Yeah, because those are the guys that you're hitching your wagons to. But right I now. don't want to hear anything other than the speculation. If you want to speculate on Joe, that's fine. But I don't want to hear any pleas about Joe's future. Of we hope he comes back. No, you shouldn't hope he comes back. You should hope he does what he wants to do. And I make a very good case right now that that should be to say at the age of 35 and with concussion problems, he's done playing. Uh, two more baseball things from last night, Manny Hill. Okay. Two more baseball things. First of all, and I'll be brief on this because it's going to bore some, so I'll be very brief. Cole Stewart was the Twins' primary pitcher last night. Tyler Duffy got the – he was the opener. Cole Stewart was the primary pitcher, which means he is that, was – Is that what we're going to go with now? Yeah, is that what we're that's their term. The, the primary, primary pitcher. pitcher. That's okay. a Twins term. <laughs> but here's the ridiculous thing about that. The Twins beat the Yankees last night. Miracle of miracles. Cole Stewart got the win. Let me give you his line real quick here. Three and a third, two hits, three runs, five walks. Change the win rule immediately. This is the stupidest thing of all time. This is the dumbest. Or just get rid of wins. Well, that's but fine you too. But you, I mean, can you Phil get rid of wins at this point? I don't need to. I don't need to get rid of wins. But what I need to do immediately is allow. Uh, let's just say the official score picks it, and I don't care how much. If you start and you pitch four and two thirds, and the official score says that's the guy who wins. You know, the five-inning rule to me has become ridiculous because a lot of guys don't go five now, and it's not their fault. And, but, Manny, Cole Stewart walked five guys last night in three and a third, and he was given a win. That's asinine. That's asinine. The other big note from tonight is the Twins are going for consecutive wins against the Yankees at Target Field. And you say, okay, yeah, okay, they're going for consecutive wins. They stink, but big deal. It's two wins. It would be the first time the Twins have won back-to-back against the Yankees since, you're good at this, take a guess. Take a guess what season, what's the last season in which the Twins won back-to-back games? Against the Yankees. Against the New York Yankees. Oh, wow. Um, I'm going to guess it was the year, what year was it that Kubel hit the home run off of Mariano at Yankee Stadium? It wasn't that. It's not that year. It's later than that. Really? But, But it's still a long time ago. Just two wins, so just two consecutive wins. Two consecutive wins. Uh, 2012. Very close. July 13th and 14th of 2013. Okay. Since then, so since the 2014 season, including last year's one-game playoff, the Minnesota Twins are 9-24 and against the Yankees, and that includes, includes last night's win. They got swept in four games in April this year. They mm. lost to the Yankees decisively two nights ago. They won last night, nine and twenty-four. They haven't beaten them in back-to-back games. They're trying to win back-to-back games today, 2013. Just think of, just Five chew years. on that for a second. Five years. I know. Since you've beaten them twice in a row. I know. You talk about a team that's in your head. Oof. All right, let's ring the bell for item number two, Manny Hill. I think anytime a player uh, you know comes off of a, a game where he's where he's injured, obviously there's the, the hope of playing, and so uh, obviously he'll be given the whole week to to you know, get ready. So you know we'll take it day by day, and we'll learn as we go. That was, of course, Packer coach Mike McCarthy talking about his quarterback Aaron Rodgers, who I guess uh, 
admitted late today after practice that he is dealing with a knee sprain, which means he has a which means something is partially torn. My mm. guess, my guess is it's an MCL. MCL, yeah. you, you can play through that. Uh, I also think that there is now. Rogers didn't practice today. He worked with the rehabbing group of injured guys. But I think there's a 99.9999% chance that he starts on Sunday against the Vikings. Here's my favorite part, though, via uh, Rob Domoski, who covers the Packers for ESPN. Aaron Rodgers told the assembled media today that he didn't take any pain medications on Sunday night because he doesn't like them. Quote, there was a lot of adrenaline, he said, and it's pretty sore the last three days. Are you buying that Aaron Rodgers, after what you saw with Michelle Tafoya on Sunday night, it's my knee. No. Are, you, are you buying for one second Not that that guy it. wasn't hopped up on something? Not buying it. Not buying it one bit. Because he seemed like, he seemed extra happy. And, and of course, naturally, after you win a game like that and you come back, you know, you're, you're obviously going to be excited and happy and everything. But that was, that was not normal Aaron Rodgers. That was some sort of a painkiller, some sort of something that he took to ease the pain of the knee that he was suffering from. Because it wasn't just uh, the giddiness at times which he spoke with. It was also the fact that he was near tears. Like there was this big, there was this very odd, it's like, dude, you look like you're about to cry. Now, this was a great comeback. I get it. Mm -hmm. But you won a Super Bowl. And my guess is he saw the Favre comparisons, the Vicodin comparisons, and said, I'm going to lie about this one. Yeah. Uh, how shocked are you going to be if we start Sunday, if Sunday's game, the Packers the Packers get the ball to start with, and Deshaun Kaiser trots on that field? How shocked will Manny Hill be about that circumstance? I will be completely shocked. Yeah, They're going to try and play him. They're going to try and play Aaron Rodgers. I now, it might be a situation where he gets, he could get hit on Sunday, and it could be, you know, it, it could be unbearable for him, but he's going to start. That first possession, he will be on the field. I uh, I don't even know. I'm very curious, and we'll, we will never find this out, Manny, to know how much of this is the Packers' call. Because yeah. I think a lot of this is number 12's call. I think he said, I'm going back in. I think Sunday, I think he got in the locker room, realized it wasn't terrible, looked up at the TV, Saw Deshaun Kaiser playing and said, and saw he probably saw that the Khalil Mack play and said, "My God, we can't have this. This is embarrassing." Yeah, I think he told him. I think he's reached the stage that Favre like stage where he tells him, "I'm hurt. It hurts a lot. I probably shouldn't play. I'm playing." Now, my question for you, ding ding, is how much of it has to do with this? And Rogers, a perfect throw, and simply dropped by Martellus Bennett. It would have been a first down, and Rogers is hurt. He took a big hit at the end of that play just as he got it out, and it looked like he might have landed on that right shoulder. That's Anthony Barr. I think he's unhappy with that hit after he had released the football and still following through on the tackle was Anthony Barr. We are going to come back, and we are going to talk about the fact that the, the highlight that you just played is terrible, terrible news if you are the Vikings, and it's made worse by the fact that on Sunday, Rodgers won't be able to move. Don't go anywhere. More Mackie and Judd coming up next. Oakley dokley. On 1500 ESPN. Mackie and Judd are back. I have indeed been uploaded, sir. We're online and ready. On 1500 ESPN. Quick look at your traffic here in the TCL broadcast studios at 1500 ESPN. 
Mackie and Judd rolls on I-94 eastbound. We got a stalled video or stalled video, stalled vehicle. Got to make sure I say that correctly. We roll on, though. I like that, man. Yes, you know, we do it's roll on. We roll on. I get it. <laughs> uh, we got a stalled vehicle at uh, Cedar Avenue and Riverside. Uh, look out. Uh, looks like a lane is blocked there. So if you're headed eastbound on I-94, look out for a stalled vehicle uh, near Cedar and Riverside. Judd? Thank you, sir. Let's go uh, back to, I believe it was week six of the 2017 season. And Rodgers, a perfect throw and simply dropped by Martellus Bennett. It would have been a first down, and Rodgers is hurt. He took a big hit at the end of that play just as he got it out, and it looked like he might have landed on that right shoulder. That's Anthony Barr. I think he's unhappy with that hit after he had released the football and still following through on the tackle was Anthony Barr. I'm known as panic by Royce Manny, but <laughs> yes. but this is more caution. I'm issuing caution here. That, of course, was the play that uh, that didn't officially end, but essentially ended Aaron Rodgers' 2017 season. And that was the play where the National Football League got done with the season and probably got called by all their broadcast partners who said, we're paying you billions, billions of dollars to show Brett Hundley. No, we're not. We're paying you billions of dollars to show Aaron Rodgers. Mm-hmm. And so the National Football League said, yes, sir. Yes, yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. Yes, we'll get right on that. And they passed a rule. This very, what's the word for it? Nebulous, unclear. You can't take all your weight. You can't take the majority of your weight if you're a lineman now or you are a defender and land on a quarterback. But that's subjective up to what the referee deems to be correct or not correct. And and there were... um. There were, last year, in 2017, there were seven roughing the passer calls. In 2018, this past weekend, there were 14. Five of those were too much weight being used on a quarterback, including Garrett Miles being called for that in the Cleveland-Pittsburgh game for landing on Roethlisberger, which the head of officials came back and said, that was the incorrect call. That's not what we want. Mm -hmm. But, of course, what these people want, who knows? Because you're basically saying in real time, decide if the guy uses all his weight. So I feel for officials here. But the point with Aaron Rodgers is we're now in week two. This is, make no mistake about it, the Aaron Rodgers rule. This rule was not passed so that um, Case Keenum can be provided the ultimate protection by the National Football League, right? right? This was passed so star quarterbacks don't get big fat guys landing on them. But you then have to decide, if, is that 75% of Sheldon Richardson's weight? Is it 80%? Is it 40%? In How do you measure that? I know. How do you measure that? Now, now, but he, now here's, here's the other problem on Sunday if you're the Vikings. Aaron Rodgers went healthy is mobile. Mm-hmm. So he can move. In fact, the bar hit, he was rolling out. He's a nightmare when he gets out, yes. especially outside of the pocket. So yeah. so although he got hurt while rolling out, when healthy, he does have the ability to protect himself a bit by scrambling and buying time and making it harder for him to get hit. Well, on Sunday, if he's going to play, which we think he is with a sprained knee, guess what? He's going to be a sitting duck, which mm-hmm. if you're a Viking fan, and I've seen this on Twitter, they're saying, this is fantastic. We're going to knock him out of the game. We're going to... But be careful what you wish for, because what you're going to get, I guarantee you, the official for, for this game, his name is Tony Carrenti. He's been around forever. Mm-hmm. They are going to go into this game knowing that Rodgers can't move, knowing that, by the way, he just orchestrated one of the great second-half comebacks that we've seen in recent years, that keeping him healthy as possible now is imperative, 
Because if you go from this guy who orchestrated this comeback against the Bears to Deshaun Kaiser, <laughs> NBC, CBS, and Fox are not going to pay you. Right. We The Vikings, if they breathe on number 12 on Sunday, I think are going to draw a flag. I think they're absolutely going to draw that first, a flag. That first hit on him, you think they'll get flagged for it? I think they'll get hit. I Here's the here's the problem. The league has told Carrenti and the officials, essentially, judge judge how much weight you think landed on the quarterback. This is the Aaron Rodgers rule. This rule <laughs> yes, is made is. for him. Yep. So this rule is specifically designed to protect him. He is now in a position, Manny Hill, where he can't ultimately protect himself because he's going to be at times a sitting duck. He's going to drop back, and if I and if if Griffin or Hunter or Richardson or Anthony Barr gets to him, guess what? They're going to take him down. Now to do that, some of your weights, if you take if you bring him to the ground, right? Some of your weights going to land on him, and it's now the officials' job to say this rule was designed for you. You just let a great comeback. You were one of the league's best quarterbacks. We were told to protect you. I think that Anthony Barr used 82% of his weight on Aaron <laughs> Rodgers. There's a flag. I think this is going to be a nightmare on Sunday, or it could be a nightmare on Sunday. And you know, because it's, it's a Fox game, right? It's going to be on Fox, I think. Kevin Burkhart and um, Charles Davis doing it. You know, yes, every time Aaron Rodgers drops back to pass and there's a little bit of pressure on him, anytime somebody comes close to hit it, hitting him, even if they don't hit him, mm-hmm. Fox is going to play the hell out of that. They're going to, every time, you know, the play will happen and then they'll switch to the camera that was right on Rodgers as he was releasing the ball. And even if it, even if Daniil Hunter gets close to hitting him, but actually doesn't, they're going to highlight that. They're going to say, well, well, let's check in on Daniil Hunter. Looks like he got a little pressure there on Aaron Rodgers. Let's check in on that. And they're going to show that in the replay. And it might just be like a little nudge or something. Yep. And he won't fall down. They're going to, Fox is going to, they're they're going to break this down at nauseum. Sure. On Sunday. But if you're an official and you are you are um working a week two game and you are working a rule designed for this specific player, which it was, and you know this guy is unable to move essentially because he won't move. He'll he'll drop back and he might hobble around, but he mm-hmm. won't move much. And the Vikings certainly have a good enough defense to get to him. If there's any question, if he's taken to the ground and there's any question, and you can't, I'm sorry, but if you are Everson Griffin and you're coming in at the last second, it's not like you can say to yourself, okay, I've got to stop and think about how I'm going to shift my weight. I got I to turn my shoulder this way and make sure my helmet is this way because I don't want to hit him right in the helmet. And Yeah. Yeah. So what do you do? Because they're going to throw flags, they'll throw. They will yeah. throw flags. The only thing that you can hope is if you're the Vikings, that Kirk Cousins gets the same potential courtesies if he gets it. Now with Rodgers, are we talking about? Is it is it going to be different if they actually sack him versus hitting him after he throws the ball or hitting him as he's as he's throwing the ball? Are they are they going to look at that differently? Because if they sack, I mean, you can't. I don't trust them to be able to, to be, be honest. Because you, you can't, and this is what's so stupid about this rule. You you can't, you're, you're basically telling, you can't get to a point where you're telling guys that they can't sack the quarterback. Getting closer. But we are, that's the problem. No, but, and That's the problem. And this rule is designed for this guy playing the team 
that caused the rule and the player to be put in place. Yeah. So do you really think that Tony Carrenti and his crew are going to err on the side of, well, that hit looked okay. They're going to err on the side of, we got to protect this guy. The rule was put in place for this. What's going to happen if Everson Griffin gets to him and brings him down? And if he gets hurt? If he, if, if, let's say Everson Griffin beats his man, gets around the edge, gets to Aaron Rodgers, brings him down, yep. sacks him, yep. and Aaron Rodgers is hurt. Like he's so, whatever happened, his knee, he tweaked the knee, even made, made the knee worse. And he's hurt, and he's rolling around in pain. And he has to come out of the game. Do they throw a flag? You can't. Well, as long as he doesn't land. On, but but, but the, that's but that's my worry but, is that it's problem, that's what's going to happen is yeah. if that happens, then we're going to see another rule. We're going to see some rule, and we're going to get to a point where now you can't even but sack the quarterback. I'm not even worried about that. I'm worried about the immediate effect of this rule which nobody really knows how to enforce. That was right. pretty clear on Sunday. Because you are supposed to make, and, and I'll say it again, I don't blame the officials here. You're asking them to make a snap second judgment, which is supposed to err on the side of protecting the quarterbacks because they are, they are the window to your league. Gosh. I just think this has the, if you're a Viking fan on Sunday, do not celebrate a sack until everybody starts to get up and you don't see a flag. You know, I, I, I am this this whole thing just drives me crazy because look, I understand the rules that they put in place to try and protect players against head injuries because this concussion thing, the CTE thing is serious business and the league is facing lawsuits and all this other stuff. And you're just thinking about the well being of these guys post playing career. So I understand that. But this is this, this this is you're 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 basically telling guys that they can't tackle. Well, you're telling them you're they, telling them they can't tackle because you don't want your guy to get hurt. You're telling them to be careful. But when, people get hurt playing this game. You're telling them to be careful when they hit the quarterback, but you're not giving them specifics on how careful they're supposed to be. And there's no and the fact that they put percentages no on the weight. Set, and how, how do you do that? Here's the problem is. The first two weeks of preseason were a cluster bleep when, when it came to the concussion rules, essentially trying to do that. Mm-hmm. And the league realized that they had an issue. And so they've amended a little bit, I think, and, and, and used common sense. I think there was only one called on Sunday early in the Bengals-Colts uh, game, and that guy from the Bengals was thrown out, and he deserved to be thrown out. So I think they've cleaned. It's still, it's still going to bite them in the butt, but they've cleaned it up a little bit. This quarterback rule, they got no clue. You yeah. can't put percentages. You've now put percentages and no way in real in that. real time. There's no way to determine that. And what's Everson Griffin supposed to do or Hunter supposed to do? And by and and the other problem too is this. Daniel Hunter is strong enough where if he got his hands on Rodgers, he could he could grab him and ragdoll him down. But that's a penalty too, I believe. So what's he supposed to do? So let's say that no. let's say he came through clean and he has Rodgers and they don't blow the whistle immediately. I think he could rag he's strong enough to ragdoll Rodgers. But if he does that, I believe that is also a 15-yard penalty. So I have no clue. And the scary thing about this for if you're a Vikings fan or if you play or coach this team is the league doesn't have an answer for you. They don't know what you're supposed to do. They just know that Aaron's not supposed to get hurt, and Tom's not supposed to get hurt. And we can go down the, a small select list of guys that this league can't have out, because if they are out, the networks call them up and say, why are we paying you? You're showing us 
Deshaun Kaiser or Seneca Wallace or take Scott your Tolzien. Yeah, take your pick. Joe Callahan. <laughs> um, Jason Wildy, my good buddy from ESPN Wisconsin, co-host of the Wildy and a Tausch show in uh, in Wisconsin, covered the Packers for ages and ages. He will join next. I will ask him that question about the likelihood of a flag being thrown in the game. Also, get an update uh, from what he heard today on Aaron Rodgers. Um, that will be next. Mackie and Judd are back. I have indeed been uploaded, sir. We're online and ready on 1500 ESPN. Quick look at your traffic here in the TCL Broadcast Studios at 1500 ESPN. Mackie and Judd rolls on. I-94 eastbound. We got a stalled video or stalled video. Stalled vehicle. Got to make sure I say that correctly. We roll on, though. I like that, man. Yes, you know, we do it's roll on. We roll on. I get it. <laughs> uh, we got a stalled vehicle. At- are you ready? Live from the TCL Broadcast Studios. We are ready. Now back to Mackie and John. Ready! On 1500 ESPN. I think any time a player uh, you know, comes off of a, a game where he's where he's injured, obviously there's the, the hope of playing, and so uh, obviously he'll be given the whole week to to you know, get ready. So you know we'll take it day by day and we'll learn as we go. TCL Broadcast Studios, the show is Mackie and Judd. Phil will join at 4 o'clock. It's Judd, Manny, and Jason Wildy, my buddy from ESPN Wisconsin, joins us now. What's going on, sir? How are you? Oh, I just want to know why Mackie's avoiding me. Uh, he's not. He's very busy. He's running. He's essentially running the show now. <laughs> I've, been, I've been passed by here. I'll tell you that. I've officially gotten old. So I've, I've been passed by, but that's okay because it puts me on from three, three to four, which I'm fine with, and I get to talk to my good friends like you. Well, I am happy to do it, and I'm glad that you reached out. How are, uh, how are the people of uh, Minnesota getting ready for this game? Confidently, I assume? Oh, yeah, yeah, and you know what? It's funny, Jason, because as you well know, Twitter has opened up a whole new world. And in some ways, I love it. It's a good world. But in some ways, it's a really, really cesspool-like place. And the people <laughs> and the people hoping that Rodgers dies on Sunday probably aren't the type of people that most of us want to associate with. That is not the definition of Minnesota nice. That's for sure. Um, I do think uh, the one thing that I like about Twitter is the poll. Yes. And we've, we've had some pretty interesting polls lately for our show uh, in Milwaukee and Madison, and one of them was uh, today we asked, and we got like 3,000 votes, and now I've got a few uh, Vikings fans and Packers fans vehemently arguing in my timeline, and if I could figure out technologically how to remove myself from their debate, it would be ideal. But we had we basically took a poll on whether or not you believe that the Vikings have superior talent overall. I mean, mm-hmm. how do you feel about Aaron Rodgers versus uh, Kirk Cousins? And remarkably, obviously, our our listenership is predominantly Packers fans. It was running at like eighty seven percent that the Vikings have superior talent, and that obviously means that Packers fans are hoping that Aaron Rodgers is good enough to make up for that talent discrepancy and and beat the Vikings and maybe even do it twice and win the division and and make a Super Bowl run. So you have covered this team. You started in 99, is that right, 2000? 
My first season was 96. Okay. My first year as our lead guy was 99. So okay. I've seen a lot, yes. So, Including you covering the team, by the way. For two seasons. Now, my question off of that, then, is very simple. You have, you have been extremely fortunate in the sense that you've gotten to see uh, two Hall of Fame quarterbacks for most games that you have covered involving the Packers. Where did what you saw on Sunday night rank as far as remarkable comebacks, uh, given circumstances, g- given how bad that team looked, the Packers did for the first half? Where did that one, if, if, we, take, if we take all of the Farvinian things that you saw and now Aaron, where does that one rank? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. I mean, first of all, let's be honest. My two favorite seasons of covering this team were 03 and 04 when you were here, um, after I stopped freezing you out. But... <laughs> Well, it took a while. I mean, I, yeah, it did six weeks or so. Um, I, you know, I, I'm always leery of the recency effect, right? And McCarthy is bad about that. Like, he's uh, he, this is the best offensive line we've ever had. And that's one of the greatest padded practices we've ever had. And he talks like that a lot to us. So I'm, I'm leery of that. But to be down, you know, they were down a ton against Cincinnati last season, came back to win in overtime. I mean, I've seen some pretty remarkable comebacks, and you're right. I've, I've been lucky to see two uh, great Hall of Fame quarterbacks, one in and one who will be in, uh, during my tenure. But I don't know if, like, he, you know, he came back after tearing his cap. Uh, Rodgers did and played. I, I saw Favre get a concussion, run onto the field against the, the medical staff's wishes, and throw a touchdown pass against the Giants. Packers lost that game, though. Um, so the, the thing that is remarkable to me is that I don't think there's been many times where I saw a guy leave the stadium on a cart, come back in the second half. Like, I remember Rodgers coming back in the second half after breaking his collarbone in 13 against Chicago, and there was a huge ovation, and he got his tears in his eyes. But he was coming out with a sling on his arm, and he wasn't going back in the game. And to see him walk out of the tunnel on Sunday night and then start running and the crowd reacting to that, and then to see him come in and engineer a comeback from down 20 to nothing, if you put all that together, I don't remember anything close to that. I've seen a lot of great moments, but when you combine the injury with the comeback, I'm not sure I've ever seen anything quite like that. Jason, what's the feeling on the defense for this team? They've they've got a new quarter uh, coordinator in Mike Pettin now, um, moving on from Dom Capers, who was there for I what was it ten eleven years yeah. maybe it seemed like. What's what's the feeling on the defense, and what kind of effect has Mike Pettin had on the defense for the Packers? Well, he certainly had a huge boost in their confidence, and you know, um, they're they they did not start strong against the Bears, but I thought they played pretty well especially in the second half. Now, you know, one of the things that Dom Capers' defenses were great about were shutting down young quarterbacks, rookie quarterbacks, and Jay Cutler. Um, and Mitch Trubisky still a young player. I'd, I'll be curious to see how effective Petten's scheme is against a healthy Dalvin Cook and against Kirk Cousins. Um, they did have success with Dom Capers as their coordinator against the Redskins with Kirk Cousins in the playoffs a few years ago. Um, but, I, look, the, the reality is we're talking about this today ourselves. The Vikings are an established, terrific defense, right? I mean, they led the league in scoring defense. They led them in total defense last year. 
Rogers said it today, there's seven or eight guys that you know off the top of your head, whereas even good defenses generally, you know probably three or four guys that you, you know their reputation, you know they're good players. But to have like a list that seemingly goes on and on of terrific players is unusual. So that's an established defense. I think the Packers' defense is one where they've added some good pieces now, some older pieces like Muhammad Wilkerson and like Tremont Williams coming back who are kind of stabilizing forces. They've got a really good front, which I think could give the Vikings' offensive line trouble. Um, but they're still, you know, they're relying on an aging Clay Matthews to generate pass rush. Nick Perry, who's younger and probably better at this point in his career, but also has an injury history, and a secondary that is probably going to turn out to be pretty good if they got their draft picks right, mm-hmm. but it's still young and they're going to have growing pains. So I, I, I wonder if this defense isn't a little bit like the Vikings defense was when Zimmer first got there, that they've got some talent and now they've got a pretty good guy coaching their group and that their arrow is pointing up but they've got a long way to go before they are what they hope to be. How uh, shocked are you going to be if uh, Sunday's game starts, the Packers trot on the field offensively, and Deshaun Kaiser's a quarterback? I will be surprised. I don't think, though, and, and you know, Zimmer had a great line in the conference call, um, from what I was told, since, you know, Mike, come on. If you can't do it during Wilde and Tausch. Like, can't you do your conference call after my show's done? <laughs> Mike, don't care about, Mike don't care about your show or my show. I'll tell you that right now, Jason Wilde. I'm sure he listens to the podcast. Um, but I, I he, he said, skews young. He said, yeah, he skews that young demo real well. <laughs> exactly. Um, but he said, you know, he uh, the guy walks on water, so we expect him to play. And I think we all expect Rodgers to play. But I don't – I actually talked to him after the group dispersed a little bit today. And I, I don't think this is gamesmanship. I think what it is is he plans on playing. It's really important to him to play. He's in a fair amount of pain, and so I don't think he wants to paint himself into the corner of saying, I'm definitely playing. And then he gets to Sunday, and it still hurts a lot, yep. and he can't move, and now he's told everybody he's playing, so now he's got to play. So I do I think he's going to play? Yes. Do I expect him to play? Yes. I don't think it's gamesmanship. I think it's just, let's, not, let's make sure we don't say anything we're going to regret here and then have to you know, talk big about how you're going to play all week long, and then you get to Sunday and you, you can't move the way you need to against a really good defense, and then you, you're, you have to play because you said you were going to. Are you buying that, that there were no painkillers involved on Sunday? I don't know. He, that's what he said. I know, but um, the, the way he looked with Tafoya, man, that sure didn't seem like a guy who was, uh, who was uh, completely without some type of chemical help. Yeah, he um, so what was weird was in the press conference, he was very much himself, which was what, maybe 15, 20 minutes after he got done yep. with the NBC Sports crew. Um, and I had a lot of people ask me this. Um, and so he was asked specifically today about it. I, I do wonder, I can see why people wonder that. I don't have an answer. Um, but I can see why people wonder because he definitely seemed off mm-hmm. with uh, the way he presented himself. He was giddy and near tears, which usually is not is not the recipe for being completely uh, um, straight in the head. Let's say, yeah, and and 
you know, and this, I know is, and this he, comes from a guy who spent a lot of time at Anduzzi, so I know about being giddy in between <laughs> tears. I know, I know where he was coming from. I got no problem with that. He was just high on life. <laughs> it was a hell of a win. Uh, last thing. Why on earth, unless the Packers don't consider themselves to be as good as I did, why is Deshaun Kaiser the answer to the the backup here? It seems like teams that are on the precipice of thinking that they can win a championship, Jason, now go out and get not a great quarterback, but a guy that they think that they can rely on to, let's say, get them through a stretch of three or four games. Mm-hmm. Kaiser tr- strikes me as uh, better than Seneca Wallace, probably N- not a big improvement on what was there. How how did they land on, on that kid and not go and get a bit of a more established veteran who could get him through, let's say, three games? Yeah, um, Mike McCarthy talked about this this morning too. Another avid Will Dean Tosh podcast listener because <laughs> he does press conferences during our show. Cool. Um, but he said, you know, there's basically three kind of groups of backups that you can have you can have the the full-fledged like wily veteran the doug peterson the matt hasselbeck toward the end of his career who i think is the kind of backup you should have mm-hmm. that, that's my own personal opinion mm-hmm. uh, then there's the guy who's kind of in the middle um didn't really ever hit it as a starter is experienced but not super experienced is a veteran but not an old veteran and then you've got the developmental guy. And obviously, Kaiser is clearly the de- developmental type. I know Gutekunst really likes him. Um, I know they like his long-term potential. But, I mean, the guy played two series, and both of them ended in turnovers. One of them ended in a touchdown for the opponent. So that was bad. Um, but I don't, think he's any, I don't think he's appreciably worse than Brett Hundley. I think the problem <laughs> is... Brett Hundley's terrible. Right, and the problem is is that we were sold, in my opinion, a bill of goods on Brett Hundley. Like, Mike McCarthy talked him up to beat the band, and he just was not very good. I mean, he beat three teams whose combined record, I believe, was 10-32 and 32 last year. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> you know, that's not very good. Um, they almost lost to Cleveland, and in fact, had Deshaun Kaiser not been hit by Clay Matthews, he had a wide-open... 75-yard touchdown to throw in overtime that would have won that game for the winless Browns. Um, I, I, you know, whether it was Matt Flynn, who is out of football now, or another guy like that who has started a few games that can get you through, that isn't going to screw up. He's not going to play at Aaron Rodgers' level, obviously, right. but isn't going to screw things up. I, I, That's how I would build my team. I would have that Ryan Fitzpatrick-type character on my team. But that is not the way the Packers have gone uh, really since Matt Flynn uh, left after the 14 season. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. Take care. Judd, always great, buddy. Take care. Great talking to you. All right. Jason Wildey, check out his work. Uh, ESPN Wisconsin, also uh, Wisconsin State Journal, if you want to uh, read his coverage of the Packers. He's been doing it a long time. We are way behind. Take a break. Come back. Don't forget Mackie at 4. Mackie and Judd will return shortly. Guys, I thought we were in a hurry. On 1500 ESPN. Are you ready? Live from the TCL Broadcast Studios. We are ready. Now back to Mackie and Judd. Ready! On 1500 ESPN. I think any time a player uh, comes off of a, a game where he's where he's injured, obviously there's the, the hope of playing. And so uh, obviously he'll be given the whole week to to you know, get ready, so you know, we'll take it day by day and we'll learn as we go. 
KCL Broadcast Studios, the show is Mackie and Judd. Phil will join at 4 o'clock. It's Judd, Manny, and Jason Wildey, my buddy from ESPN Wisconsin. Mackie and Judd are back. Start churning butter and put on your church shoes, little sister, because we're about to blast off. On 1500 ESPN. Quick check on traffic back here at the TCL Broadcast Studios. Uh, 394 westbound. We had a crash delaying things about uh, by about six minutes near Highway 100 in Golden Valley. But it looks like they've uh, got that cleared up just a little bit. But uh, otherwise, things moving pretty smoothly as we roll on here in Mackie and Judd. Now, Judd, one of my favorite things yes, sir. in sports is when athletes or coaches or anybody gets injured celebrating something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which, it's one of my favorite things ever. Which always immediately makes me think of it was Martin Gramatica, right? The kicker? One of the Gramatica brothers. I think it was Bill. I think it was Bill Gramatica, yeah. But anyway, when he was celebrating a field goal, a long field goal jumped up and down, and I believe tore his ACL. Yeah. Which at, has been done by a few guys. There was a Bears player a couple of years ago, right? At, celebrating at, in his Foxborough, he did that. He did that. The Bears were on the road <laughs> playing the Patriots, and he got a sack on Brady and then just like did some sort of and crumpled to the thing. Ground. And yeah. Um, Georgia State football coach Sean Elliott, uh, he says that he to- he suffered a torn bi- torn right biceps while celebrating a touchdown during last week's loss to North Carolina State. The Panthers scored the first touchdown of the game of a forty-one to seven loss. <laughs> this is the that's the best part on an eight-yard touchdown run by uh, Destin Coates in the first quarter. Elliott. John Elliott, the head coach, said that a fist bump during the ensuing celebration is what caused the injury. He is expected to undergo surgery to repair the torn right biceps on Monday. Georgia State will play at Memphis on a night that you love college oh, football. Friday games. night screams college football. Friday night, Friday night screams, yeah. screams college football. Uh, this is... How this, do you tear your biceps doing a fist bump? This is great though because we it's fist bump all the time here. What's great Me and about Mackie fist bump all the time? We're not tearing our biceps. Well, first of all, the <laughs> lesson is old people shouldn't fist bump. <laughs> the other thing that makes it so fantastic though is it's a coach, not even a player. Yeah, it's the head coach. Yeah, I mean this is this is Zim getting hurt, jumping up in the air to chest bump Everson Griffin or something. Like, yeah. it's the silliest, it's your head coach. <laughs> it's your head coach who now is going to need surgery because he got so excited, and I have no idea. Well, other than to say that this must speak volumes about the type of fist bumps that these people do. <laughs> like, how hard are you doing, to your point, how hard are you doing the fist bump? Like, what are you doing that could cause that? Or if if I, I'm not a fist bump guy... Because it's sort of outside my age a little bit. It's mm-hmm. popular now, mm-hmm. and it, it's I think for a lot of people it's replaced the handshake. Yep. Uh, because you don't spread germs as much. But that being said, when I fist bump, I do the light tap. Mm-hmm. This must have been an extraordinary. This had to be like a borderline bump. punch, like not literally a punch. But if you're going to punch somebody, it this had to have been like as if he was trying to punch somebody. That's the only way yeah, I can right. think of that you hurt you're your right. biceps, your biceps doing yeah. a fist bump. Which would hurt tremendously, correct? Oh, yeah. Because that's when your biceps sort of like it's it like um, contracts then? I think so, yeah. 
Unbelievable. No, it does. It speaks to at a certain age you should stop doing things. This is what this we, is a Zolgad rule. I love this. This thing. is a Zolgad rule. Don't test yourself past a certain age. We have rules in the NFL in place because we're worried about Aaron Rodgers or Drew Brees or Tom Brady getting injured. Meanwhile, we've got college coaches doing simple fist bumps and tearing their biceps. Because they think they can muscles. keep up with the youth of America. That's the problem. <laughs> this guy's too old to be doing it. If he had followed my advice in life, there would have been no fist bump. There would have been a simply a hearty congratulations and maybe a pat on the back, and everyone would have been fine. Uh, take a break. Phil joins the show next. Uh, Collar at 5 o'clock also for a predominantly football hour. We end the show with Royce. It is Mackie and Judd from the TCL Broadcast Studios. People, people, I have an important announcement. Mackie and Judd are back after this brief timeout Whoa. on 1500 ESPN. Mackie and Judd are back. Start churning butter and put on your church shoes, little sister, because we're about to blast off. On 1500 ESPN. Quick check on traffic back here at the TCL Broadcast Studios. Uh, 394 westbound. We had a crash delaying things about uh, by about six minutes near Highway 100 in Golden Valley. But it looks like they've uh, got that cleared up just a little bit. But uh, otherwise, things moving pretty smoothly as we roll on here in Mackie and Judd. Now, Judd, one of my favorite 